Well, hey, everybody, I am so excited to be here. Uh, and just before I get started, uh, I just want to say, you know, we always kind of assume Pastor Rodney's like Superman around here. Uh, but if you notice in that video, he's a little bit under the weather, so definitely keep him in your prayers. Uh, now, Easter is coming up, just like Pastor said, and it's an exciting time. And maybe you're here and you're like, hey, I don't really know who to invite. Let me give you three types of people to invite to Easter, okay? First type of person uh, is one of your close friends, all right? Somebody that you love, because you love them and you want them to love Jesus, okay? That's easy, right? Invite, the second type of person is a neighbor that you don't know. Okay, because you don't know them, but it'd be great if they got to know Jesus, right? All right, and then last, I want you to invite someone you just can't stand, right? And here's why, because maybe if they meet Jesus, they'll be a better person. Come on, that's a win-win, right? And some of y'all are laughing at that, but here's the thing. Maybe that's why somebody invited you to church. <laughs> just throwing that out there. So uh, we are closing out this series today called No Strings Attached, and it's been a great series thus far, uh, but this series has all been about grace. Uh, and so today I want to talk about an aspect of grace that most of the time we don't like thinking about, uh, and that's the aspect of waiting. Waiting, okay? How many of you guys say you would love to wait? It's just your favorite thing to do in the world. Wait, anybody? No, no one? Uh, how many of you guys say you hate to wait? Right here. All right. Across all locations. I'm sure we got hands raised, right? People hate to wait. Here's the thing. I hate to wait. Uh, like a few weeks ago when Pastor Rodney was talking about, he had just recently discovered Amazon Prime. That's kind of cute, right? <laughs> Here's the, even waiting those two days for me is like a lifetime. I hate waiting on those things, right? But, but the thing that I think I struggled the most with waiting on is waiting for my wife to get ready. Any men can relate to that. All right, be careful if you raise your hand, okay? But waiting on my wife to get ready, it, it's like one of those things. It's just, it's always a thing. Like, for example, like, you know, I, I always give my wife uh, kind of like a time. Like, I always tell her, hey, we're 30 minutes out. If you want to start getting ready, you know, she's not even trying. She's like, she's drinking a cup of coffee. She's not even trying to get ready, you know? And so eventually, like, every 10 minutes or so, I'll give her a little, you know, like a little reminder gently saying, hey, we got like 10 more minutes left. You know, and then like right when we're, it's the time to go, that's usually when she's like, hey, I need like five more minutes. And then like 15 minutes later, she'll like glide into the living room like, are you ready to go? You know, like just like that. <laughs> and I'll be like, sure, let me just grab my key. She's like, oh, you're not ready yet? Like as if I'm the one making us late. And here's the thing, no amount of premarital counseling could have prepared us for all those fights that we have. In that process, I don't know if you can relate with me, right? But, but if you're like me, you hate to wait. But, but, but we know as believers, and if you've been a believer for any amount of time, right, you know that waiting is a way that God moves in our life. In fact, most of life isn't like those exciting mountain peak moments, right? Most of life is actually waiting, waiting for something to happen. And, and the thing is, like, if you're here in this room and you're in that period of waiting, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know that feeling of waiting. And if you're not in that period of waiting, let me just encourage you, wait a little bit. Because you'll eventually get there. That's usually how that works. But here's the thing. God's grace, God's grace comes to us. Uh, at all times in our life, but to really fully experience the richness of God's grace, there are times that we have to wait. 
to fully know the, the full extent, the richness of God's grace in our life, we have to wait. And so today, I want to talk to us about a grace that's worth the wait. A grace that's worth the wait. And so we're going to look in the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to look at a guy named Abraham. Uh, and so just so you guys just right off the bat, Abraham has kind of two names. His name is Abram first, and then eventually God changes to Abraham. So I'm going to use those things interchangeably. So if you ever get confused, it's, we're all talking about the same person, okay? And so we don't know why God chose Abraham other than grace, right? God just chose him. Uh, but God comes to this person uh, out of the blue, and this is what he says to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. If you have a pen, just underline that. Make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And get this, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, I just want to take a pause right there. uh, Because what God is telling Abram here is actually, uh, what actually comes true, right? Because actually through Abraham's family, Thousands of years later comes the Savior of all the earth. That's Jesus, right? And so in a very real sense, what Abraham does with this call that God gives him has a real impact on the reason that you and me are sitting in this room right now, right? So what does he do with this call? What is his answer? What's his response? Verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord told him. And Lot, and we'll find out more about him, that's his nephew, went with him. Abram was, get this, 75 years old when he departed from Haran. 75 years old when he left. At a period of time when most people settle, Abraham went. He followed God on this great adventure of his life. He was 75 years old. Now, I, I, there, I think there's a lot of lessons we can pull out from Abraham's life. He had a pretty amazing adventure uh, in his journey with God. Um, but what I want to do is just kind of pull out three lessons about waiting from his life. So if you're taking notes, the very first one is this, uh, on what waiting looks like. Waiting looks like answering the call. Waiting looks like answering the call. See, God looks at Abram and says these words. He basically says, Abram, I want you to leave what you know, go where I will show, and be blessed as you go. To leave what you know, go where I will show, and be blessed as you go. And I know that rhymes. I actually did that on purpose to help you remember, because it actually matters, right? And in this, God makes him a promise. God says, hey, if you do these things, I will make your name great, I'll make your name great. And what I want you to know is that most people don't do it this way. Most people don't leave what they know, go where God shows them, right, and experience God's blessing along the way. Most people tend to stay where they're at, do what they're comfortable doing, and never fully experience the grace and and the fullness, the richness of, of the life that God can have for them. Because they stay. 
But Abraham went and God made his name great. And we know most people don't do it this way because we actually have an example of this in just a chapter over. Just a chapter over, actually, if you know the Bible, is a story uh, of the Tower of Babel. How many of you guys have heard that before? Tower of Babel, right? It's chapter 11, just so you have some context. Uh, so the Tower of Babel, that, that story starts with a guy named Nimrod. Can you imagine having that name? Nimrod. We're about to have a baby, me and my wife, and we're considering the name Nimrod. Said no one ever. <laughs> And so Nimrod actually was a great person. Actually, the Bible says that he was one of the great men that came up in his time. And he, along with other people living in his city, came together and they said, hey, we wanna, we're pretty awesome people. We want to kind of do some cool things. And so this is what they say in Genesis eleven four. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops reaching the heavens, and let us, get this, make a name for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. What did God tell Abram? Abram, if you follow me, I will make a name for you. But these people say, hey, let us make a name for ourselves. You know what most people do? Most people make a name for themselves. In life, you have choices, Right? And one of those choices is if you want a man-made name or a God-made name. Abraham chose a God-made name. And it made all the difference. You know how I know? Because if I say Abraham, everyone in this person knows exactly who I'm talking about. If I say Nimrod, you think I'm mad at you. <laughs> Abraham chose a God-made name. But the question is for us, what is it that we have to leave? Where is it that we have to go? What is it that we have to do? See, God called Abraham to leave where he was comfortable, to leave his father's household, to go out on his own to a place he had no idea what it's going to be like, to a group of people he had no idea what these people were going to be like. God made him a big promise, and Abraham just believed, and he went. So the question is, what are you willing to leave? You know, six months ago, Pastor Rodney got on this stage and he gave the call. He said, hey, we are looking to plant a church in the community of Deer Creek and we need people across all of our locations to pray and consider what that would mean for them. He said, for some of you guys, that means you would have, that would mean leaving where you're comfortable, where you're seated and going to, going to go help plant a brand new church in the Deer Creek community. For some of you, it means that you're going to, to step up in your giving. And some of you guys did, you gave towards Harford's house to help fund this new location. And some of you said, hey, I'm going to pray. I'm going to make it my priority to pray for this thing on a regular basis. But out of that came a hundred people that said, hey, we're going to step out from where we're comfortable. We're going to give up our seat here, and we're going to go out into the community of Deer Creek, and we're going to go start a church. So that was six months ago we took the call, and Deer Creek, North Church Deer Creek has only been around for about two months now, so shout out to Deer Creek, all right? You guys are doing great things. But here's what happened. So on our first Sunday, we had over 300 people show up, and so the later in the week, I'm doing first-time calls for our first-time guests. My first call of the afternoon, I call this lady. Uh, she picks up the phone, and I introduce myself. She says she actually met me, and I said, oh, that's, that's great. Tell me your story. And she begins to tell me her story. She said that uh, she went to her mailbox one day, and she saw a mailer 
and it said, new church starting in Deer Creek. And she said, I've been out of church for five plus years. I left the church because the church had hurt me. In fact, I've been burned. And she told me her story, and it was a, it was a terrible story. And it was a bad example of what, how a church could treat a person. And so she left to, to never come back again. And over the years, God had been working on her heart to, to go back to church again. But she said that she always felt uncomfortable because she knew that if she ever went back, she would be that one new person. And she felt like she'd stand out. And she didn't want to do that. And then she saw this mailer. New church starting in Deer Creek. And she said, this is a new church. Everyone here is new. And she says, I won't stand out. And so that Sunday, she made the decision to get in her car. And she drove over to Deer Creek. And when she pulled into the North Church parking lot at Deer Creek, she saw all these people waving at her and greeting her. She pulls into her parking spot and just begins to weep. She doesn't know why. She knew she had to pull herself together, so she kind of pulled it all together, came into the auditorium. She sat down, and she said, the whole time pastor was preaching, I was just crying. I don't know why, but I knew that I had found home. Today, she serves on our team. She calls Nortridge Deer Creek home. Because 100 people said, I'm going to leave what I'm comfortable. I'm going to go where he shows and I'm going to do what he says, and I'm going to experience God's blessing along the way. So the question is, what is it that you and I have to leave? For some of us, you know, it can kind of feel like maybe God has called me to do something drastic. I don't know, uh, but, but let, me, let me have you start somewhere smaller, right? Like, uh, what I'm trying to tell you is not to be like, oh, Pastor Samson said I need to go leave my wife. Like, no, Pastor Samson did not say that. <laughs> nope. Amen. Right? But maybe there were some attitudes that you need to leave. Maybe there are some habits that you need to leave. Maybe there are some healthy habits you need to put in your life. That's where you need to go. I don't know what it is, but maybe there's something that you need to put behind you and you need to move forward on and you need to put in your rear view because God is calling you to not just make a name for yourself, but to experience what it's like when he makes a name for you. What will it take for you to answer the call. And let me tell you, waiting, waiting always looks like answering that call. So if you're following, you're taking notes, here's number two. Number two is this, waiting looks like being faithful. Waiting looks like being faithful. So as we kind of progress into Abram's story, uh, we know that he kind of takes along his nephew Lot with him. And, and Lot was kind of like a son. And so maybe it could have been that, that Lot was kind of that imagined heir for all of that legacy that Abram was looking to leave behind, all the things that God promised him. But it turns out that Lot really wasn't that great of a person. He was kind of a troublemaker. How many of you guys can realize you have a troublemaker in your family? Anybody? Uh, just a few of us? Okay. How many of you guys are sitting next to your troublemaker? All right. You don't have to raise your hand. Never mind. But Lot, didn't, he didn't pan out. He really didn't. In fact, he ended up settling uh, in an area near Sodom. Uh, and the Bible tells us that Sodom wasn't really a great place. In fact, it was full of sin. Um, and, and what ended up happening is that Sodom got into trouble. Uh, and these raiding nations came in and they kidnapped basically all of the people that lived in Sodom and stole all their goods 
and in, that included Lot and his family. So Lot and his family was kidnapped. All of their goods were stolen. And all of them are taken prisoner. And somebody comes and tells Abram what happened. And now, I'm not sure if the Bible really doesn't necessarily clarify this, but in my head, I, I, this is how I imagine it, is that Abraham pretty much goes straight up Liam Neeson. Okay? Like from Taken. Right? He had a very specific set of skills. Okay? What he does is he gathers 300 of his men. They grab swords. They rush into the night. They wipe out these raiding armies. They free all the people. They get them all their stuff back. They free Lot and his family. And on the way back, the king of Sodom, who we know in the Bible is, is kind of a shady character, looks at Abram and makes him kind of this offer. And he says, listen, you can have all the loot, everything that was stolen, the property, you can have it all. Uh, we will take all the people and we'll move on. We'll, make, uh, we'll go our separate ways. And this, if you're kind of looking on the outside, seems like a great deal, right? You get all the stuff, we get all the people, we move forward, everything's great. But Abram knew that he had a conviction, he had a covenant with God. See, God said that if you follow me, that I will make you rich, not man, right? That I will make your name great, not man. And so Abram knew what his conviction was. And so he looks at the king of Sodom and he says these words. This is in Genesis 14. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. I have made Abram rich. See, Abram said, I have a conviction. I have a covenant with God. I've raised my hand. I've taken an oath. And my covenant is that no man will make me rich. No man will make my, my name great. No man will make me great. God will. And so he turns down this offer. He stays faithful to the covenant he has with God. And this is what happens in just a few verses over. Genesis 15 God comes to Abram and says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. And get this, your reward shall be great. Abram just turned down a great reward from the king of Sodom. But the king of the universe, God, comes to him and says, your reward shall be great. But Abram has something in his heart, right? He has something that, that he's dealing with. Abram said, Oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. The heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Now here's the thing. Abram looks at God and says, Here, God, you got to see it from my perspective. I thought Lot was going to pan out. He didn't. And now the best heir that I have is my personal assistant. God, where is this promise you promised me? When is the fulfillment going to happen? Now, at this point, Abram, we know, is about 85, 86 years old. So it's been over a decade since he was called. Over a decade since that first promise came to him that God would make him a great nation, that God would give him a people. It's been 10 years now. And Abraham doesn't see any of that come to fruition yet. And this is what God does. Verse 5, And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven. 
Number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. See, God kind of ups the ante. God says, let me tell you how big this promise is. Abram, you never even imagined how big it could be. He says, I want you to come outside with me. He says, I want you to look up at the sky. In the night sky, I want you to count all the stars. And he says, if you can even count them, that's how great your offspring would be. Abram had a greater reward from God than he did the king of Sodom. He stayed faithful. But you know what most people do? Most people would take the deal. Most people would take that that deal from the king of Sodom because they just want to get what they can get. But let me tell you this with all confidence and with all assuredness. Trying to get what you can get is never as good as waiting on what he can give. Trying to get what you can get is never as good as waiting on what he can give. God has something so much bigger for Abram. But Abram would have to wait. He's got to wait. For me and Hope, uh, we've been on this journey uh, of financial freedom for over two years now. And uh, we met this guy named Dave Ramsey in our life. Come on, somebody. And uh, we've, been, we've been on this journey. And so for the first year uh, in that process, uh, we paid off you know, nearly half uh, of all our debt. Uh, and actually about a year and something really kind of weird happened. So uh, Hope and I had went over to my parents' house uh, and we're having dinner with them. And so at the end of the night, we get into our car. We turn the key. And guess what? Car doesn't start. And so we turn the key again. Still doesn't start. And so we were so embarrassed. I'm just going to be real with you guys. We were so embarrassed that we didn't even want to tell my parents. So we actually called an Uber to go home. And once we got home, we are like, hey, what are we going to do? You know, and we called a whole bunch of mechanics. No one could get come out there, look at the car. It doesn't look like the car can be fixed. And so what I said, right, and this is what, where I was thinking. I was like, you know what we need to do, babe? We, we, we need to put this whole Dave Ramsey thing on hold. And we need to just go ahead and buy a new car, add on some debt, and we'll pick up eventually, and we'll kind of move along the journey. And I have a wife. She's wonderful. And some would call her persistent. Some would even dare to call her stubborn. Not me. <laughs> she is persistent. And she says, Samson, we made, a, we made a covenant, right? We made a decision, a promise to each other that, that we would stick to our guns, that we'd pay off this debt. And we cannot, cannot take on new debt. And I'm not saying that's wrong for anybody else. For us, this was our conviction. And so I don't know what we did. So about, this, is, this went on for like two weeks, guys, two weeks. And so I don't know what she did. She went over to my parents' house. She prayed, turned the key, the car started. And you know what? It just keeps starting. <laughs> that was a, well over a year ago. It just keeps starting. I kind of wish that it would stop starting so I can get another car. But here's what happened because of that decision. Just over a month ago, with the honor of flying out to Nashville, Tennessee, let me show you this picture. Uh, we got to meet 
uh, with Dave Ramsey and over the radio and over the internet, we got to share our story of God's faithfulness in our life, how we paid off $95,000 in 22 months. And at the, the end of, the, of our time on the radio, one of the producers walks up to us and she says, I don't know if you know this, uh, but over 14 million people were listening to you guys share your story. And I'm so glad she shared that at the end. <laughs> and, and it reminded me that, you know, we would have never had this opportunity to stand in front of 14 million people and share about the goodness of God to make him famous and talk about all the ways he's blessed us. If it wasn't for a year ago that we said no, we're going to stay faithful. We're going to wait. We're going to stay faithful to his promise, to our conviction. We're going to say no to the king of Sodom. We're going to say yes to God. So my question for you is, what is it that you need to remain faithful in? Because that's what waiting is. Waiting is remaining faithful. Remaining faithful to the promises that you made, for some of you, the vows that you took. Remaining faithful to the word that you made. What is it that you need to be faithful? Waiting looks like being faithful. And here's the last one if you're taking notes. Waiting looks like being a little weird. Waiting looks like being a little weird. And I wish I could have thought of a better way of phrasing that, but there really is no way around this. Because if you know the story of Abram, and know the story of Abraham, here's what happens. Uh, for the next 10 plus years after what we just read, uh, Abraham or Abram and Sarai um, realize that God's not doing much. And so they decide to take matters into their own hands. And so they take one of Sarai's servants, Hagar, uh, and they and Abraham and Hagar sleep together and they have a baby and that baby's Ishmael. And so they think that is going to be the promised child because that's the way that they're going to have to fulfill this promise for God, right? But it turns out that wasn't God's plan for them. And so in the end, they were kind of doing it their own way. And they realized that God has something different for them. Something a little bit weirder. Right? So God comes, Genesis 17, Abraham at this point is 99 years old. 24 years after that initial call. 24 years after the initial call. This is what God says to Abram. This is my covenant with you. I will make you a father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Abram meant exalted father or great father. Instead, you will be called Abraham, which meant father of a multitude. For you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. God is talking to a 99-year-old man. He said, I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. And then you got to come down to verse 10. It says, this is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. 
God comes to Abram and he gives him a weird name and he gives him a weird task. Gives him a weird name and a weird task. And can you imagine Abram's household? He walks back home to his wife, Sarai, and he says, hey, Sarai, your name is no longer Sarai, it's Sarah now. And my name is no longer Abram, it's Abraham. And I want us to line up all the males in our house because we're all going to get circumcised. (laughs) How weird is that? Like, the thing is, not everyone in Abraham's household is related to him. Right? Some of them just work for Abraham. So imagine your boss coming in on a Tuesday and be like, all right, guys, time to get circumcised. <laughs> like time for a new job. That's what I, I did not sign up for that. But Abraham takes on this new name and this new task. And I think it's interesting because, you know, it's kind of like when you're a, when you're a kid and your, your parents buy you like the shoes that are like two sizes too big, at the beginning of the year, you're kind of like a clown, like floating in them, you know? But what happens at the end of the year? You grow into them. God gave Abraham a name he's going to grow into. Abraham, the father of a multitude. Father of a multitude. Sometimes God comes to us in those waiting periods of life. And he gives us weird things to do. Weird things to say. I'll tell you one of mine. So for us, me and Hope, we've, we've been trying to have a baby for, for quite a while. And early on in the process, it was really frustrating because we would try, 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 and then nothing would happen. And I'm not complaining because I like the trying part. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. But at the end, it just... Nothing would happen, and we'd get frustrated. It seemed like month after month, we would just get frustrated and hurt. Finally, I just took it to God, and I said, God, here's what I'm dealing with. Like, is is this something not meant for us? And maybe you're in the room, and and you struggle with this too. Uh, Maybe you've had a longer journey than us. Maybe it's been 10 plus years here. I don't know, but, but maybe you can relate. And so I just went to God, and I said, God, I... I just need you to be honest with me. Just say something. And God spoke to me, and I know that sounds weird. Like it wasn't like this audible voice from heaven. It was just this thing he put in my heart. And God shared with me, December 2017, you'll know. December 2017, you'll know. And so that's all I had. So I went back to my wife, and I said, this is what God told me. December 2017, we'll know. And she looks at me, and she says will know what? Like, we'll have a baby December 2017, or we'll be pregnant by December 2017, or we'll die. Like, like what, what will we know by December 2017? And I said, I have no idea. All I know is that we will know. I just don't know. <laughs> December 2017. December 2017. And she said, well, that's really weird. And I was, I'll be honest with you, I was so scared to tell anybody else. I only told two other people in my life, other than my wife. I told my dad, and I don't know what it is in this moment of like, really like built up faith. I, I sat in his office, and I pointed at the calendar. I said, by this date, December 2017, you'll know. And I told one other person, that was Michelle Brown. She's one of the prayer warriors and our prayer team here. I came forward, and she prayed with me. 
But those are the only three people on this planet that I told what God told me. And months would go by and nothing happened. Summer came and it went. And then the fall came and it went. And it was November and I was starting to get nervous, right? And I told God, God, I don't want to embarrass you. And to be honest, I certainly don't want you to embarrass me. <laughs> like, if something's going to happen, it's got to happen, like, soon. And it looked like nothing had happened. And then this happened. I want to show you something. Dave, will you check the oven? You want to check my yard. Tim, come here. What? Let me get that out. What's in there? He has a big TV. What is it? I'm going to ask him if he wants to do it. Like six foot. What's it doing in there? Huh? What's it doing in there? I don't know. What is that? Who put it in there? Is there a bun in the oven? Shut up! Are you freaking kidding me? Are you for real? Yeah, what does it say? It says I'm pregnant. <laughs> I knew you were pregnant! <laughs> that was a week before December. A week before December. And God really like brought it down to the wire. <laughs> but here's what happened two weeks later. On, in December 2017, we're driving out of town to visit some family, and we're in the middle of nowhere, two hours away from uh, home. My wife starts having these sharp pains in her abdomen. We pull over to a gas station. She's literally like rolling on the floor in pain. We scare. We don't know what to do. I put her back in the car. She's laying on the backseat just crying, like wailing. I've never seen her like this. And I'm driving 110 miles an hour down the freeway to get her to the nearest hospital that's two hours away. And we just don't know what to do. So I, she said, call somebody, call somebody. Who do I call? She said, call Shannon Fouts. So we call Shannon, and Shannon's on the phone with my wife. And she's just praying for her. She's reading the Bible to her. She's encouraging her. And I call Pastor Rodney, and I said, Pastor Rodney, this is what's happening. I just need you to be praying. And I'm just going to brag on my pastor for a second. That was like an hour and a half out when I pull into the parking lot of the hospital. Pastor Rodney's waiting out there with a wheelchair to take my wife in. So we go inside. We're waiting in the emergency room. We're waiting in the, the room that we're supposed to be. And we don't know what's happening. And we look at each other and we realize we have a decision to make. Who are we going to believe? Are we going to believe what we see with our eyes? Are we going to believe what we know in our heart? That God made a promise. And that he is faithful to his promise. So we prayed that day and we said, no, no, no. We'll believe him. We'll believe him who is faithful. 
today our baby's fine. In fact, July, we'll be adding a new North Church member in Deer Creek. Come on, Deer Creek. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're waiting on. I don't know what looks like impossible to you. But this word has been on my heart literally all year. And I believe I'm here speaking specifically to you to tell you that he has a grace that's worth the wait for you because our God is worth the wait. And I want you to believe. So here's what I want to do. If you're struggling, if you're saying, Pastor Samson, I'm in that period of waiting, I want to pray for you. So across all locations, even if you're online, I just want you to throw a hand up and I want to be praying with you. If that's you and you're saying, I'm waiting and I want to be believing while I'm waiting, I want to answer the call. I want to remain faithful. I want to do all those weird things he's going to tell me to do. If that's you, I want to be praying with you. Father, right now, I pray for all of those across all locations, online. Lord, for even that person that's driving their car, listening to this as a podcast. Right now, Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would remain true because you are true, because you are worth the wait. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would build up their confidence in you, that you'd build up their faith in you, and they would know without a shadow of a doubt that the one who made the promise is faithful and true. And that we would remain in you. In Jesus' name, amen.